All right, welcome on my next guest. We got Dean Blandino, NFL and NCAA rules analyst for Fox Sports. Dean has everything going. It's a wild time in the world right now. Yeah, it definitely is. I'm I'm, I'm doing well. Everybody's hanging in there, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to be on the podcast. Absolutely appreciate it. Thank you so much for chatting for a few minutes. So I want to ask you a little bit about your early career because everybody's to be seeing every Sunday, but like to you, you have more of a different background than some similar uh, rules analysts. So I saw you played football in high school, but then you kind of pivoted into college and you studied communications. Did you know the NFL, the playing in the NFL really wasn't that much of a reality for you? Yeah, yeah, I knew that early on. I mean, I love sports. I grew up playing baseball and oh. hockey and football and and wanted to stay involved in sports. I knew my, my sports career wasn't going to go beyond high school. Yeah. And, uh, and so I focused in, in, in college on communications, getting a, you know, television both on the camera and behind the camera, more of the production side. And uh, I went to school in New York. I'm from New York. The NFL's league office is in New York City. And I just sent my resume to the NFL. And so I have a little bit of a different background than, than most people that get into this industry. I didn't have an officiating background. I started as an intern in the officiating department. I learned officiating that way, putting videos together, working with officials and former officials and them teaching me the rules and everything else. And then it just kind of worked my way through that process, became a replay official, and, uh, and then ultimately was in charge of the, uh, the entire officiating department, and now I'm with Fox Sports. That's awesome. So I have a question. So what, what, your early days as an intern, what kind of stuff did they have you doing? Yeah, I was doing anything and everything. I was assisting in a lot of different areas. Um, statistics, that's something, you know, similar to the players, we keep track of official statistics, the calls that they make, they're evaluated on those calls. Um, so those types of things, number of penalties per game by team, by official, by officiating crew. So I was doing a lot of stuff on the statistical side and, uh, and even more so on the video side, putting together training tapes for officials and and so the, the officiating supervisor would, would give me a list of plays. Here's a tape for offensive holding. And I would have to go to each game and pull each play and basically edit that tape. And, and I was doing a lot of that editing work. And that's actually how I learned um, a lot of officiating from watching those tapes while I was editing them. What, what were the early stages of instant replay like? Yeah, that was, it was an interesting time. Replay, you know, there was a, a first iteration of replay in 1986 um, and, and that lasted until 1991. I, I wasn't at the NFL at that time, but when I was at the NFL in 1999, we brought it back and, uh, and it was a really interesting time. It was the technology had finally gotten to a point where you could, you could implement a replay system and do it seamlessly. That was the problem with the old system. It was two VCRs. Yeah. If you could remember that technology, it wasn't advanced. You got to start it, you got to rewind it all yeah. the way back. You, yeah. had this, you had two running. And if you wanted to look at video, you had to stop the, the, the one VCR, rewind while the other one recorded, and then keep going back and forth. So in 1999, um, we had a company come in. It was a Canadian company that, that was called Leach at the time. And they had this digital technology where you captured the video feed, um, digitized it, and then you were able to mark different points on that feed and access the different angles with the touch of, uh, you know, of a finger to a touch screen. Yeah. And, uh, and that's still the basic awesome. concept behind the replay system today. And, uh, and it really was an interesting time because we were putting the rules in place. 
what is going to be reviewable, um, how will plays be, you know, reviews be initiated. It was a coach's challenge system. And then, and then obviously inside two minutes, the replay official took over. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really fun time to be a part of the system and kind of, you know, creating it from, uh, from, from scratch. Yeah. Was there any backlash like, amongst some of the people that have been there forever that's like, hey, we don't need this. We've been doing it fine from them. Yeah, a little bit. I think there were some people that just because the first the first go round with replay didn't wasn't successful, um, they were skeptical, and uh, and a lot of officials had to buy in. You know, it's think about if you're you know whatever profession you're yeah. in. Imagine making a decision and then having somebody immediately challenge that yeah. decision, and then you have to wait to see if your decision is going to be confirmed or not. So it was. There was some backlash initially, but it didn't last very long. And what what officials and what most people around the league realized is that replay was going to be a, a really good tool to help the officials get the play right. And I think ultimately that's that's what people want. They they don't want officiating mistakes to impact games negatively. And and I think as you as you can see, replay has now become a part of the game, yeah. and it's become a part of you know all sports at all different levels and. Uh, and it's just something that, you know, we, you know, it's, it's part of what we do. Do you think for most officials when the game is sort of, let's say, a minute left in the game, they're very hesitant to, blow, to throw that flag? Or do you think they're just, they're just waiting to see what they need to see? You know, you hope the good officials are not hesitant. The good officials are the ones that they know that if it's a foul in the first quarter, it's a foul in the fourth quarter, regardless of the score, the situation. And, uh, and that's as you vet officials and as you recruit them, you look for officials that aren't going to be hesitant, that, that show a track record of stepping up in the critical situations because not throwing a flag when it should be thrown is just as impactful as throwing the flag. And, and so, you know, you affect the team either way. And, uh, and that's something most, most officials, when they get to the NFL – um, they don't have that mindset. They, they hey, let, let the play come to them. And if there's an infraction that needs to be called, they're going to throw the flag regardless. That's what they're taught. And that, for the most part, you know, that's what they do. Do a lot of these officials know individual players' tendencies, like in advance, just so they're not really caught off guard when something happens? Yeah, there's, there's a lot more advanced scouting today than there yeah. was 30 years ago yeah. when I started. When I started, the officials didn't really – prepare for the teams they were going to work. They, they more or less looked at their previous game, evaluated their performance that way. And then probably 10 to 15 years ago, that shifted where just like the teams, if you're going to scout your opponent, we wanted our officials to scout the two teams they were going to work, not to, not to prejudice themselves uh, to one player and say, well, 72 holds all the time, because you don't want to go into a game thinking that because you could miss something else but to just understand the tendencies, what teams like to do in certain situations, you know, third and, and short yardage or fourth and short yardage. They like to run this type of play or these formations are what they run on special teams, you know, do tempo wise, do they go fast? Do they, are they more of a huddle team? And then as you look at individual players, you just kind of get a sense for do certain players tend to push the envelope a little bit, you know, does, does an offensive lineman tend to, you know, grab, get outside the frame, or does a defensive player tend to get very physical in the secondary? So you have general tendencies that can help you anticipate things, and uh, and that's part of their preparation. And then and back to your career. So after, so kind of after uh, playing around with like the highlights and kind of organizing all that, how did you start to kind of make your way up the chain? Yeah, really, it really revolved around replay because I had the video background and I showed a 
an aptitude for the rules and, and I was really lucky to be around some good people that yeah. took an interest in my career and helped me learn the rules. Um, my, the, the, the head of officiating at the time, Jerry Seaman, who was a longtime referee, um, he, you know, he made me a replay official. He thought that I had a, a, a good, you know, skill set that would, that would lend itself to being successful. And so in addition to being involved in bringing the system back, he made me a replay official because I had the video background. Because when you think about replay, um, what you're doing is you're, you're not watching the play live. You, you have to watch it with the video angles that you have available and you have to analyze the play more than just make a split second decision like officials do on the field. And, uh, and so he saw something in me that, uh, you know, would lend itself to being successful in the replay booth. And, and I became a replay official back in 1999 and, uh, you know, kind of just worked my way from there. I've, I've a suggestion, kind of an idea that I don't know the NFL's ever thought about. So you always see like when the guys, I think it happened to the Panthers like four times last year when they were right at the goal and they couldn't score. Has anybody ever thought about, this is an idea I've been thinking about for a while. If, if they put motion sensors in the pylons and having to go straight across the field and put a motion sensor in the ball so as soon as the ball crosses the plane, they can cut down on the time and say, oh, it's a touchdown. Yeah, that, that's definitely something that we've talked about. We've had companies come in when I was at the NFL and, and, and show us that type of technology. It's, it's a little bit different in football in that you can locate the ball itself yeah. and you know, obviously know where the goal line is. I think the added layer in football, unlike, say, soccer, where the ball just has to cross the line, in football, you have to also know, okay, when is the runner down? When is the knee down? You know, so, so that's an added layer. So I think, you know, that's probably somewhere down the line. I think the league will continue to look at that because, again, that, that GPS or yeah. whatever technology we use, it would be great to locate the football, but you also have to locate it at the moment in time when the, the knee is down or the, or the runner's progress is stopped. So I think that's the, the next step. And if they can figure that out, then I think you'll see some technology like that. I also saw that you, you did or didn't uh, currently do stand-up comedy. How did you come into that? Yeah, that was um, – it was something that I really enjoyed. A friend of mine who was actually working at the NFL at the time um, had done some stand-up comedy and, and thought that I would be good at it and kept, kept pressuring me, hey, come down, just do an open mic. And, you know, I was living in New York City at the time, and there's a ton of comedy clubs. And, and I, I finally just gave in, and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I just fell in love with it. I really enjoyed it. And uh, it was never a career goal of mine. I always knew that I wanted to stay with the NFL, and I wanted to kind of, you know, work my career through the NFL. But I just, I really enjoyed it. I did it on the side, and it actually helped me quite a bit. Um, in my career because you're you're just up there and it's more or less public speaking and, and if you're you know so if you're if you're hesitant to get in front of a group of people you know stand-up comedy is going to really help you you do that and really help me present in front of coaches and players and, and ownership and everybody else around the league and it's helped me in my career today with you know being on camera yeah. and, and being on on live tv and being able to articulate my thoughts so so it's, it's, it's definitely something I love doing, and, uh, and it really helped me. That's awesome. I have a question. When you were in school and you were kind of focusing on what you wanted to do, was rules analyst, was that even a thing? No, it wasn't a thing. Um, you know, for me, I had no – when I was in school, officiating wasn't on my radar. I knew I was kind of going back and forth between, you know, in front of the camera or behind the camera. You know, and I had grown up, and I'd always been interested with – 
um, news anchors, and yeah. then and then more so as ESPN grew in popularity, yeah. the the Sports Center anchor like that was seemed like a dream job, yeah. right? Because you're you're involved with sports yeah. and, and highlights and everything else. So it was kind of playing between those two things because I did like the technical aspect as yeah. well, how you create TV, and uh, you know, and then the NFL opportunity came up, and uh, and it was just something that that I kind of went with. And rules analyst, the first. You know, Mike Pereira, who was who was my boss at one yeah. time, he was the one that really created this role when that. he left the NFL. He went to Fox Sports and created this this rules analyst yeah. um, role, and and really was a pioneer in that area. That's amazing, yeah, because now it's like it's just the commonplace. That's, that's so that's interesting. So, did you so the interest in being on camera was that something kind of on the back of your mind throughout your career, or was it just something that just kind of came about? I think it was. You know, it was always in the back of my mind, but it kind of, when I, when I was at the NFL and then I was in charge of the NFL officiating yeah. department, I was really focused on that. And, and that was my passion. And, and I love being a part of the rules making process and player safety. And just, and just as the game was evolving and being, being a part of that, that was really important to me. But as part of that, that role, I was on camera. I yeah. would do segments with NFL Network. That's awesome. um, I would do on air if, if, if there was something controversial and ESPN or, or Fox or CBS wanted to ask me questions. So I was doing it and I was comfortable doing it. And I think um, people saw that, people at the network saw that, and they saw that, that you know, I was already comfortable yeah. on camera. I had the rules knowledge and then, um, you know, Fox Sports reached out and, uh, and you know, presented an opportunity yeah. that I thought was a good opportunity and I, and I took it. Have you ever gotten any kind of like flack from officials like, hey, like this guy's never been one, like he's got, is anything like that come about or? Oh, sure. Early in my career, absolutely. Yeah. And that was, and I, look, I understand that. I understand there's going to be some, you know, somebody that hasn't necessarily walked in their shoes. And, uh, and I was always mindful of that. So the way I looked at that is, I was going to have to earn their respect um, even more so. And, and the way I, I try to do that is I try to just become an expert in the rules. I try to learn the rules back and front. And, uh, and so I knew that, that no one could take that away from me. And, and, uh, and then just you continue to work with people and, and, and earn their respect. And ultimately, um, maybe there, there's still people that, that look at you a certain way, but you can't please everybody. And I think I think most people involved around the NFL, I, I earn their respect over time. And then, and then flipping over to the pass interference addition last year and then subtraction, did you have a feeling it wasn't going to last? Yeah, I, you know, I wasn't – early on when they put the rule in, you know, we had been through this. I've been part of the competition committee meetings since, since early 2000s. And, and as replay has evolved, we always had that discussion – um, why why don't they expand it to judgment calls yeah. like pass interference or holding? And the and the pushback always was that look, replay was not designed for subjective calls because yeah. because replay you can look at the football hitting the ground that's objective right or the ball breaking the plane. Yeah. Pass interference is different. Pass interference you can see contact, but it's not just contact. It's did that contact impede restrict the opponent's ability to make a play on the ball that's very subjective and we always felt that replay wasn't going to make that call any better or more consistent because you're just replacing one person's subjective judgment with another yeah. another's and uh and so i was i was cautiously optimistic if they if they could find the right standard but as we as we saw 
it play out in the 2019 season, they never really could find a consistent standard. And I think that's the problem. And when you saw calls that you thought were clearly pass interference that were not um, created in replay, um, I think that was a problem. And ultimately, the, the league felt it just, it just wasn't worth it, and they didn't, uh, they didn't put it back up for, uh, for another year, which is, which is not, not normal for, for a rule change in the NFL. Interesting. And I also saw that you were heavily involved with the XFL earlier in the year. How did, how did that come into play for you, and was that something that you jumped on, like you had a lot of interest in? Yeah, I mean, I was always, you know, one of the one of the benefits to leaving the NFL, you know, and I love the NFL, and, and but it, it it opened up some other opportunities for me to work with some other leagues, and uh, you know, I had known Oliver Luck, who was the commissioner of the XFL. I'd known I've known Oliver for a long time, and and he reached out to me about uh, you know when he was named commissioner if I would uh, take over the officiating um, with the XFL, and I jumped at it. I, I love football. I love being a part of something new and. And uh, and I had such a great experience with the XFL and and I you know it's such I still get whenever anybody talks about it I still get sad knowing what happened because it was really I really felt like it was gaining momentum yeah. and it was really going very well and then you know you can't who can prepare for something that that like a pandemic like no. what's happening in the no. world today and okay. you just it's just really sad what happened. Do you think there's any one thing that, because they did a lot of different types of a lot of different things in the XFL, different than the NFL does. Do you think there's one thing that the NFL saw and like, all right, we're, we're, we like that. We might think about that. I think there were a couple of things that the NFL looked at and, and, and would consider implementing. You know, I know the kickoff was – was yeah. the XFL did a really yeah. great job with the kickoff. It, um, the goal was to keep the kick return in the yeah. play and, and limit some of those high-impact collisions that you see on a more traditional yeah. – kickoff and and we feel like that that's what happened you know 94 percent of kicks were returned in the xfl and small sample size but we didn't have a reported concussion and, and so i know the nfl has looked at that as they look at their kickoff and their kick return and the injuries that occur on those plays um i think some of the access that fans had on an xfl broadcast you know the being able to listen into the play call or see the replay booth and hear those decisions I don't know if the NFL will go that far, but I do think the NFL has looked at that as they continue to improve their fan engagement and that experience um, for the fan. And, uh, and I think those are things the NFL and, and college football um, have talked about. And then, and then fast forwarding to hopefully the season this year, what do you think people are going to notice week one and something that they didn't think about? Like, okay, this is a lot. This is very different in terms of the officiating or just on field, anything like that. Well, I mean, COVID-related or non-COVID-related? Yeah. Uh, just something like just something different that's going to just jump out at people like, oh, I didn't – like, I don't know if the officials are going to stand a decent uh, space apart or I don't know if they're going to be hesitant to yeah, break I players think, up. You know, yeah, if we – obviously there's still some work to be done, yeah. and, and I don't know for sure um, what's going to happen. Nobody does. But I think you're going to see things like officials wearing masks. Um, one of the things that they're looking at, both college football and the NFL, is – um, electronic whistles that that are activated with your hand versus bringing it to your mouth yeah. um, to blow the whistle. Uh, I think you're going to see officials. Um, you know, obviously during the play, it's tough to social distance, but but I think you're going to see um, a limited number of times where officials are getting together. Maybe when they do have a conference, they're six feet apart. Um, you're also, I think you're going to see you know limited number of people on the sidelines. You're going to see chain crews that maybe don't have as many people. 
um, you're going to have to really narrow it down to the essential people. And uh, because obviously the more people, the more opportunity there is um, for, for the virus. And I think that's going to be something, um, you know, on both officiating players, coaches wearing masks, it's going to look different for, you know, when, if and when we have a season, it's definitely going to look different. I saw that the, their Oakley is involved with putting like a kind of face covering. Do you think that's something the players are going to want to buy into? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know all the medical information yeah. in terms of the, the eye covering yeah. and, and if that's necessary. I do know that, yes, they're, they're looking at, um, you know, a face shield yeah. that, that would protect the player yeah. or supposedly protect the player from, from airborne particles. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of, you know, I, I know JJ Watt came out and said he, he doesn't want to play with a face shield. I know, Ooh. you know, a lot of players don't like that face yeah. shield because of, you know, whether it's a, you know, it fogs up or the, or the, the heat or anything else. Um, so, you know, even on the officiating side, they're talking about NFL officials wearing some kind of, yeah. you know, eyewear goggle type thing um, to protect their eyes. So I don't think anybody, anything has been finalized yet. I know the, the NFL and the NFLPA are talking this week and, and they have an owner's meeting scheduled for, uh, for this week as well. Um, so we'll see. Do, do you know if there's been some, I, I saw that a lot of the older MLB umpires have started to back out. Do you think that's going to be commonplace for when that's, that's, that storyline takes effect in the NFL? Yeah, I, I think you might have some some officials that, yeah. that opt out. I think this is something that we certainly haven't dealt with in our lifetime, and everybody has a different situation, whether it's um, whether you have uh, something that puts you at risk um, yourself or maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody that um, has had a newborn child. I mean, these are all things not just players and coaches, but officials have to consider. So I think everybody's going to have to make those decisions. I know – um, the NFL will will do everything possible to make sure it's a secure and safe environment. But I think you're going to see some officials that maybe like the MLB umpires that maybe say, I'm not going to put myself or my family at risk. And they, and they opt out. Yeah. And I saw that you, you have a podcast with iHeartRadio. How did that come to life? Yeah, that was something, you know, there's so many podcasts out there now. And, and, uh, you know, we had had some discussions with iHeartRadio and they thought it would be interesting to look at football from an officiating perspective. So, yeah, we started it in the uh, the beginning of the 2019 season. So we've been going since September of 2019. And, and it's me and a couple of my you know colleagues that work at Fox Sports that are in the studio with me on, on game days. And we talk about officiating and sports and uh, it's called Good Calls and um, you know, it's been a lot of fun and we'll have guests on sometimes and awesome. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's always good to, to talk sports and, uh, and give a different angle uh, with, you know, with the officiating side of it. I have one last question for you. Is, what's the craziest thing somebody said to you after, after a, like a couple days after a game, like after saying like a disagreement with a call that you either agreed with or something that just happening during the game? Well, you know, there's social media certainly allows people to, uh, to vent and voice yeah. their voice, their opinions. Um, and, and that's all great. And, and I love interacting with people. Sometimes it's not positive. <laughs> um, certainly, you know, I was involved in probably the most controversial call that I was involved in was the, the Des Bryant play against yeah. the Packers. And, and so I still get people today, Cowboy fans that, that will, will tweet at me, Des caught it. And the one I remember not long after that game, a guy, um, he tweeted me a picture of his six-year-old son in a Cowboys jersey crying. 
and he and he he thanked me for for making his six year old son miserable, and that you know that makes you feel good when you uh, when you can make little kids sad. It was, uh, but hey, I know all it is is NFL fans and, and sports fans are passionate, and uh, officiating is some, somewhat of a lightning rod, and 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 we all get that when we get into this business, we understand it, and uh, I never take any of that personally. And then also one last thing, I, I saw something just now that apparently something happened during the Thanksgiving game in 2016. What, what, what happened with that? Yeah, so that was on um, Thanksgiving, unlike, you know, NFL plays on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we're we're working on Thanksgiving. I'm in the I'm in the the command center. We're doing replay and what we started doing, um, we started inviting, you know, a small group yeah. of, of family that for the people that had to work, hey, come in, you know, at halftime of the games, we'll 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 get some food and cater it in and we'll we'll have a little family time that we don't normally get, you know, on Thanksgiving because, you know, we're playing games. And uh, it was the first game we were heating up some food before the first game was started. And uh, unfortunately, somebody put some stuffing in the microwave and they had plugged the microwave into the same circuit that the replay setup was on. And as soon as they put the mic, turned the microwave on, the whole setup crashed. And uh, the monitor, everything else. And I was sitting in front of it and I, I heard it. And I said, okay, what just happened? And we have backups and we have things. So it wasn't, it was down for a minute or so and they got it back up and running and we were still operational at the stadium, but it was just funny because you're sitting there and the game's going and all of a sudden somebody turns a microwave on. It's like at home, if you have the air conditioner and the microwave and the, and the, the blow dryer yeah. on and, and it, and you blow a fuse. So uh, it was pretty funny after we got everything fixed. That's wow, that's, that's incredible. Did they say anything on air? Or they kind of they, they didn't want to bring it up. No, no, no. I mean, no one knew other than, <laughs> than us in the command center. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't it wasn't a, a thing where people watching the game wouldn't yeah. realize it. No. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this has been awesome. I wanted just to thank you again for chatting for a few minutes. And then for people that don't already follow you on social media, how can they find you? Yeah, you can follow me on on Twitter uh, at Dean Blandino or on Instagram at Dean Blandino. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always available on social media and, and interested to hear people's thoughts. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Just wanted to thank you. Glad I'm glad all do as well. And hopefully, hopefully we have a season. I'm Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I'm cautiously optimistic. Absolutely. But thanks, Zach.